At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. End of the, the Restaurant at the End of the Universe, Chapter 16 At the bar, Zephyrpod was rapidly becoming as tired as a newt. His heads knocked together, his smiles were coming out of sync. He was visibly happy. Zephyrpod said forward, Will you... While well, you're still capable of speech, would you care to tell me what the photons happened? Where have you been? Where have we, where have we been? Yeah. Small matter, but I like it cleared up. Zephyrpoid's left head sobered up, leaving his right to sink further into the obscurity of drink. Yeah, he said, I've been around. I only want me to find a man who rules the universe, but who I don't care to meet him. I believe the man didn't, can't cook. Zephyr watched his right head, saying this, then nodded. True, it said. Have another drink. Ford had another panglatic gargle blaster. A drink with which had been described as alcoholic equivalent of a mugging, expensive and bad for the head. Whatever had happened, Ford decided he didn't really care too much. Listen, Ford, says he for Ford. Everything's cool and throaty. You mean everything's under control? No, says Zephyrpod. I do not mean anything. So everything's under control. It would be not cool, Freddy. If you want to know what happened, let's just say I had a whole situation in my pocket, okay? Fools shrugged. Zephyr giggled in his drink. He foamed up another side of the glass and started to eat its way to the marble, marble tabletop. A wide-skinned sky gypsy approached and played electric violin at them. While Zephyr gave him a lot of money, he agreed to go away again. Gypsy approached Arthur and Trillian, sitting in the, in the other part of the bar. I don't know, know that what place this is, said Arthur, but I think it gives me the creeps. Have another drink, said Trillian. Enjoy yourself. Which? said Arthur. The two are mutually exclusive. Poor Arthur, you're not really cut out for this life, are you? You call his life? You're beginning to sound like Marvin. Marvin is, is the, the cleanest theory you can go and know. How do you think we made this violence go away? Waiter approached. Your ready, table's ready. Waiter approached. Your table is ready, he said. See, even the outside, which is never is, the restaurant resembles a great, a giant glittering starfish beached on a forgotten rock. Each his arms, house, bars, and kitchens, full speed of generates which, which protect the entire structure and decay hulk, a planet which it sits, a time turbines which slowly rock the fell affair backward and forward across the critical moment. In centre sits a gigantic golden dome, almost a complete glo- globe, and, it, and here's in this area where Zufford floored Arthur Trillian now passed. These five tons of glitter alone had gone into it before them and covered every available surface. However, those surfaces were not available because they were already encrusted with jewels, precious seashells from Sadaquidus, gold leaf, mullet, 
tiles. This is skins and a million underdivided banishments, decorations. Glass glittered, silver shone, glow gleamed, after then goggled. Well, me, said Zephyr, incredible, read Arthur, the people, the things. The things, said Pratty, are also people, the people, resumed Arthur. The other people, the light, said Trillian. The table, said Arthur. The clothes, said Trillian. A waiter thought they sent in like a couple of bailiffs. The universe is very popular, said Zephyr, Treading his way and slave through the fold the tables. Some made of marble, some of rich ultimo mahogany, some even of platinum, and each a party of exotic each a party of exotic animals chatting among themselves, studying menus. People like to dress up for it, continues Zophopod. Gives it a sense of occasion. Tables are fanned out in a large circle. All around a central stage area, where a small band were playing like like music, at least twenty tables was Arthur's guess. Interspersed among them were swaying palms, hissing fountains, contestationary. In fact, short all the paraphernalia common in all restaurants, where little expense had been spared to give the impression, and no expense had been spared. Arthur glanced around, half expecting to see someone making an American Express commercial. Zephyrwood lurched into folds, who lurched back into Zephyrwood. Well, he said Zephyrwood. Zeppo said Ford. My great granddaddy must have been really screwed up the computer's works, you know. Zephyrwood, I am told it took us to the nearest place to eat. It sends us to the end of the universe. Remind me to be nice to it to it one day. He paused. Hey, everyone's here, you know. Everybody who was nobody, anybody. Who was, said Arthur? At the end of the universe, you don't have to use this past tense a lot, said Arthur. Because everything's been done. You know, hi guys, he called out with a nearby party, a giant iguana rifles. How, you do, how do you do? Is that Zephyrfod beating box? I'll say the one iguana to another greener. I think so, she, so, replied the second iguana. Well, doesn't it take the biscuit, said the first iguana. Funny old thing, life, said the second iguana. It's what you make of it, said the first. They lapsed back into science. They were waiting for the greatest show in the universe. Hey, Zephyrfod, said Ford, grabbing his arm and a count of the third panopagolactic goggle blaster missing. He pointed a swaying finger. It's an old mate of mine, he said. Hot, hot black Desperado. See the man in the platinum table? The platinum suit on? Zebra tried to follow Zebra for his finger, his eye, but made him feel dizzy. But he saw, oh yeah, he said. With an recognition. Came a moment later. Hey, he said. Did that guy ever make it, make it bigger, big? Big? Well, bigger than the biggest thing ever? Ever, ever than me? Who, who's he supposed to be, said Australian. Hop back, Bess Barrow, said Zephyrwood and Sonishman. You don't know? You never heard of disaster area? No, said Trillian. Who who hasn't? The biggest, said Ford. Loudest, richest, suggested as Ford. Not banned history. He searched for his little word. History itself, said Zephyrwood. No, said Trillian. Zowie, said Zephyrwood. Here we are in the universe, and you haven't lived yet. Did you miss out? 
You had us off. So where the waiter had been waiting all this time at the table. Arthur followed him, feeling very lost and alone. Ford waited off with a frown to renew his old acquaintance. Hey, uh, hot black, he called out. How you doing? Great to see you, big boy. Where's the noise? You better, you're really, you're looking great. Really, really, very fat and well, well, amazing. Is that the man in the back? It's mildly surprised. Seemed to split it. No response. Pan electric garble blasters swelling around inside him. Told him to plunge on regardless. Remember the old days, he said. We used to hang out, right? The best of Grenegal, remember? Zim's throat deprorium. Ever dome, Great days, huh? Help back Desperado. Offered no opinion to what, as whatever they were great days or not. Ford was not perturbed. Are you, uh, and when were you hungry? We posed as public health inspectors. You remember that? And go around confiscating meals and drinks, right? Till you got food poisoning. Oh, there were the long nights of done talking and drinking. And there's so many rooms above the cafe, loo, in. Greenstone Town. Now, Beetle. Beetle L. You're always in the next room trying to write songs. And you have a, have a jar. We all hated them. You said you didn't care. We said you did because we hated you so much. But was I beginning to miss over? And you said you didn't want to be a star. You could hit well in your nostalgia. Because you despised the system. You said, hey, girl, and said, girl, and me. We didn't think you had a, an option. What do you know? You buy star systems. You turn solicited the attention of those of nearby tables. Here, he said. A man who buys your systems, who helped Black Best Rider made an attempt either to confirm or deny his fact. The attention of temporary audience waned rapidly. I think somebody's drunk, muttered, muttered a purple bush like being to his wine glass. Ford staggered slightly and sat down heavily on a chair facing Hot Black. This Rider, what's that number? What's that number you do? He said to one wisely. Grabbing a bottle of support and tipping over into a nearby glass, it happened not to waste a high, waste a happy accident. He drained the glass. That's really a huge number, he continued. How's it going? Bram, bram, right, yeah. Something in the stage that you do ends up with a ship crashing right into the sun. You actually do it. For all crashing the fist into the upper hand, upper hand. To illustrate his feet graphically, he knocked the boy bottle over again. Ship, 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 son, boom, bam, 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 he cried. I never got lyric, lasers, stuff. You guys are into solar flares and real sunburn. Oh, and terrible songs. His eyes followed a stream of liquid gurgling. The bird all into the table. Something ought to be done about it, he thought. Hey, you want a drink, he said. He began to sink in his screeching mind. Something was missing, the funny weirdin. And missing something was in way, some way, connected with the fact that the fat man, sitting opposite in the platinum suit, silvery hat, was not yet. Said, hi, Ford. Oh, great to see you after all this time, in fact. Anything at all? More to the point. He not yet moved and moved, hot black, said Ford. A large meaty hand landed on his shoulder behind and pushed him aside. He slid graciously into his seat and leaned upward to see if he could spot the owner with his discourteous hand. The owner had not hard to spot account he'd been being 
So the other was seven feet tall and not slightly built with it. In fact, it built like the way one builds leather sofas, shiny, lumpy, with lots of stuff of solid stuffing. The suit also which remained body and stuff looked as if its only purpose in life demonstrate how difficult it was to this sort of body in a suit. The face that the texture of orange, out of an apple, but with resemblance to anything sweet ended. Kids had a voice which emerged from the man's mouth. It had been having a really rough time down in chest. Ah, uh, yes, he thought conversationally. He's taken back to his feet again and is very disappointed. The top of his head didn't even come further out of the man's body. Be it, said the man. Oh, yes, said Ford, wondering how wise he had been. And who are you? man considered this for a moment. He was used to being asked this sort of question. Nevertheless, after a while, he came up with an answer. Oh, I'm the guy telling you to beat it, he said. Before you get beaten, we get beaten for you. Now listen, said Ford nervously. He wished his head would stop being settled down, get a great sort of situation. Now listen, be continued. I am one, I'm one of Hope Black's oldest friends, and glanced at Hope Black Desperado, who still hadn't moved as much of an English. And Ford said, wondering well, what would be a good word to say after that. And I went to come up with a whole sentence to go after. And he said, and I am Mr. Rodero's bodyguard. I'm responsible for his body. I'm not responsible for yours. So take it away. Take it away before he gets damaged. Don't wait a minute, said Ford. No minutes, boomed the bodyguard. No waiting, Mr. Rodero speaks to no one. Well, perhaps you let him say what he thinks about the matter himself, said Ford. And he speaks to no one, but a little bodyguard. Ford glanced anxiously to hop back again, and forced him to admit to himself that the bodyguard seemed to have the facts on his side. There was still not the slightest sign of movement, let alone the keen interest of Will Kale's welfare. Why, said Ford, what's the matter with him? The bodyguard told him. Chapter 17, The Hitchcocker's Guide to the Galaxy notes a disaster area, a plutonium rock band from the Galactic Lecca mine zones was generally held to be not the loudest band in the galaxy, in fact the loudest noise of any kind of all. Regular goers judge best sound balance is usually to be heard within concrete bunkers some 37 miles from the stage, where musicians themselves play their instruments by remote control from a really a heavily, heavily insulated spaceship and stays in orbit from around the planet, or more frequently, around a completely different planet. Their songs are the whole, very simple, but mostly follow fairy fame of boy meets girl being beneath a silvery moon, which is blows for no adequate explored reason. Many worlds have been banned, their acts. Many worlds have banned their act altogether, sometimes for artistic reasons, most commonly because the band's public address system convenes local strategic arms imitation treaties. It's not lo- this is not, however, stopped their earning and pushing back the boundaries of pure hypermathics, and their chief research accountant has recently been professor of neuromathematics, University of Macmillan. In recognition of both his general and special theories of disaster area tax returns, in which he proves that the whole fabric of space-time continuum, not merely curved, is totally bent. Ford staggered back to the table with the void, half in sitting, waiting for the fun to begin. 
Could I have some food, said Ford? Hey, Ford, said Ford. You speak to the big noise boy. Bird waggled his head noticeably. Hot mate, I saw, spoke to him, yeah. What did he say? Well, it's not like he, uh, yeah. He's been a year dead for a tech reason. I just got to sit down. Sit down, the waiter approached. Would you like to see the menu, he said. Would you like us to meet the special day? Her said offer. Her said really. It's cool, said Zifford. We meet the feet. A small room in one of the arms of the restaurant complex. A tall, thin, gaggling figure pulled itself aside the curtain. A burying looked him in the face. It was not a pretty face, perhaps because of oblivion. I looked him in so many times. It was not long for a start. The eye too sunken and hooded, the cheek too hollow, his lips were too thin, too long, and his parted his teeth looked too much like a recently polished bay window. The hands that held the curtain were long and thin, too, they gained the cold. They lay slightly along the folds of the curtain and gave the impression he didn't, he didn't watch them like the hawk. They would crawl away in their own account and do something unspeakable in the corner. Yeah, the curtain down, and a terrifying light. Terrible light had played on the features, went off to play somewhere more healthy. He powered around to the small chamber, they mantis contemplating and even praying. Finally, sitting on a wicked chair, a trestle table, he leaves through a sheet of jokes, a bail rang. He pushed the thin sheet of papers aside, stood up, his hands brushed limply over some of the one million rainbow. Because it seems with Richie Jacket for soon, and he was gone through the door. The restaurant lights dimmed and the clan quickened in pace. A single spotlight stamped down into the darkness, the stairway that led up to the centre of the stage. Up the stairs bounded a tall, brilliantly coloured man. He burst in the stage, tripped lightly up the, to the microphone, removed it from the stand, and once with his long, thin hand, stood for a moment, bowing left and right to the audience, noting his applause and displaying to the to their bay window. He waved his particular friends in the audience, even though they weren't any there. He waited for the applause to die down. He held up his hand and smiled and smiled, stretched not merely from ear to ear, seemed to extend some way beyond mere confines of his face. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, he cried. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much. He eyed them with a twinkle eye. Ladies and gentlemen, he said, you must be know that they have been existing for more than 170,000 million years, billion years, and be ending a little over half an hour. So welcome to one and all the Milkaways, a restaurant at the end of the universe. Next year, he definitely conjured another round of spontaneous applause. And as they cut it, I am your host tonight, he said. My name is Max Quillacullabin. Everyone knew this. His act was famous throughout the whole galaxy. But he said it was a fresh applause it generated, which he acknowledged with the same disclaiming smile and wave. I just come straight from the very, very end of time. Now I was hosting a show at a big burg- burger bar. Well, I can tell you, we had a very exciting evening later to them. 
I have been with you right for this historic occasion. The end of history itself. Another burst of applause died very away quickly. As the lights dimmed down further on every table, candles illuminated themselves simultaneously, lifting a small slight gasp from the diners and weaving from the many thousand fair tiny flickering lights, a million in Imminent, intimate shadows. A tremor of excitement thrilled through the Darkman restaurant, the vast golden dome above the begin. The then began to very, very slowly to dim, to darken, to fade. Men's voices hushed as he continued. So, ladies and gentlemen, he breathed. Candles out it. A pan played softly as the false field dome over its phase into intensity, filling the dark and southern sky, hung heavy with ancient light of livid stolen stars. I can see we're all in for a fabulous evening of apocalypse. Even a small tooting of the band faded away. A stunned shock descended all those who had not seen this sight before. Monstrous grizzly lights still poured in on them. Hideous light, a boiling persistent light, a light that would have figured hell, universe coming to an end. For a few immediate seconds, restaurants spun slightly through the raging void. Then Max spoke again. And for those who will never hope to see the light in the tunnel, he said, this is it. The band strikes up again. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, said Max. I'll be back with you again in a moment. And meanwhile, I'll leave you with very capable hands. Mr. Wrench Identify is Calypso Combo. Big hand, please, ladies and gentlemen, for Wrench and the Bollies. A painful turmoil of skies continued. Presently, the audience returned to clap, and a moment of so normal conversation resumed. Max began his round of t- tables, swabbing jokes, shouting with laughter, earning his living. A dairy animals approached the forbidden box table, a large, fat, meaty quadruped, it of a bovine type, with large, water eyes, small horns, and what might also have been an integrating smile on his lips. Good evening, it lowered, it sat heavily on its haunches. On oh, the main dish of the day, may I interest you in my parts of my body? It harumphed and gurgled a bit. And winks wiggled its hind corners into a more comfortable position, gazed peacefully at them, gaze were met by looks of wild, startled bewilderment, for Arthur and Zutrillion a resigned shrug for a prefect, a naked hunger from the seafood of the box. Something from the shoulder, perhaps, suggested the animal, bathed in white wine sauce. Are your shoulders, said Arthur, in a horrified whisper. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. But no, but naturally, my shoulders, sir, moved the cow contently. And there'll be else in, um, in mind to offer. The other leapt his feet and started prodding and feeling the animal's shoulder appreciatively. 
Oh, the rump is very good, Clover, the moment animal. I've been exercising and eating plenty of grain. There's a lot of good meat there. He gave a little grunt and gurgled around and started through the cud. It's all the cud again. Oh, Cressagol of me, perhaps, it added. You mean this animal actually wants us to eat it? whispered Trillian to Ford. Me, said Ford, with a glazed look in his eyes. I don't mean anything. That's absolutely horrible, explained Arthur. That's the most revolting thing I've ever heard. What's the problem, Earthman? man, said Ford. Now, just having attention to the animal's enormous frump. I don't want to eat an animal that's standing there inviting me to do said Arthur. It's heartless. Better than eating an animal. It doesn't want to be eaten, said Overford. That's not the point, Arthur protested. Then he thought about it for a moment. All right, he said. Maybe it's the point. I don't care. I'm not going to get think about it now. It's just, um, the universe raged against him. His death follows. I think we'll just have a green salad, muttered. May I should try to consider my liver? You to consider my liver? I was animal. It must be very rich and tender. Now I've been false feeding myself for months. Green salad said that fold Arthur effectively. Green salad said the animal. Ronnie's eyes is probably Arthur. Are you going to tell me, I said Arthur, that you shouldn't eat, have green salad? Well, said animal. And there are many vegetables that are very clear on that point. That is why he eventually decided to cut through the. Whole tangle problem. And breed an animal that actually wanted to be eaten. Keep was saying so clearly, distinctly. And here I am, to manage but a very slight bow. Piece of glass of water, please, said Arthur. Look, says Everpoke. You want to eat? You don't want to make a meal with issues. Four rare steaks, please, and hurry. We haven't eaten 565, 60, 76 million, thousand million years. Now I'm at his feet. Give him a little gurgle. A very, very wise, a very wise choice, sir. I mean, if I may say, sir, very good. It said, I'll just nip off and shoot myself. He turned and gave a friendly wink to Arthur. Don't worry, sir. He said, it's very humane. He wandered down hurriedly to the kitchen. Madam minutes later, the waiter arrived with four huge steaming steaks. They preferred to fall with was straight. Into them, within a second, heads at second hesitation. Trillian pulls and then struggles, started into hers. Arthur stared, his feelings slightly ill. Hey, Earthman says for pot, with a malicious grin on his face. That wasn't stuffing, that's not stuffing itself. What's eating you? Bam played on. All around the universe, different people, things and relaxed and chatted. The air was filled with talk. Of this and that, with a mingled sense of exotic plants, exaggerate foods, incessant wines, with every number of miles in every direction, the universal colloquialism was going to stupefying climax. Glancing his watch, Max returned to the stage with a flourish. And now, ladies and gentlemen, he beamed. Is everyone having one last wonderful time? Yes, said called out the sort of people who called out. Yes, when the comedians asked if they're having a wonderful time. That's wonderful, infused Max. Absolutely wonderful. And the photon storms gather in the glowing clouds. And it's preparing to tear apart the whole, the last of red hot suns. I know you're going to settle back and enjoy it with me. What, and what I know we all find immensely exciting and term, and terminal experience.
He paused. He caught the audience with a glittering eye. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, he said. There's nothing permanent about this one. He paused again. Tonight, his time was in immaculate. Time after time, he'd done this show. Night and night. Not that the word night had any meaning here other than extremity of time. Oh, it was an endless repetition, this final moment. Restaurant slowly forward, but forward, forward, over the brink of time, virus clutch, and back end of the night. It was good enough. The audience was waving in palm of his sticky hand. His voice dropped. They had a strain, had a strain to hear him. This, he said, really is a resolute end of thrilling, final chilling destination. Of which the whole majestic sweep of creation becomes extinct. This ancient amendment is a probably probable it. He dropped his voice still lower in the stiffness. A fly would not have heard clear there clear his throat. And after this, he said, there's nothing, void, emptiness, oblivion, absolutely nothing. His eyes glittered then. They had or did they twinkle? Nothing except for course, but deserts of fine selection of Amberian liquors. The band gave him music sting. He wished they wouldn't. He didn't need it. He's not an artist of his calibre. He could play the audience like his own musical instrument. In laughing relief, he followed on. And for once, he cried, trailly, you don't need to worry about having a hangover in the morning, because there won't be any more mornings. He beamed at his happy, laughing audience. He glanced up at the sky, going for the same death routine in eight, but his glance was looking. Only a fraction of a second. He trusted to do his job, and one professional trusts another. And now, he said, stuttering about the stage, at the risk of putting a damp on the whole sense of dome and fertility, here in this evening, I would like to welcome a few parties. He pulled a card from his pocket. Do we have, he put his hand back of the back, Hold back the cheers. Do we have a party from Zika Green Ferenian Bridge Cup beyond the Villarino Quillin? Are they, they here? Raz and Cheer came in the back. We pretended not here. He peered around trying to ask him. And you are here, he asked again. It's as if it learned a cheer. He got it. He always did. As they are. Oh, well, last bids, that's. I tell you, remember, this is cut slow, a very slow moment. He left the laughter. And do we have here a party of mine identities from the Mahalo's Alaska? It's right. It was small, rumble, thunder, lightning, and across the stage, small group of hairy men with helmets sat looking very pleased with themselves and raised their glasses to him. It had been, he thought to himself, kill the hammer, sir, he said. They did their trick with the hunting again. Matt's looked Gave them a very tight-lipped smile. And Ferdy said, Ferdy Polly Younger searches from Citrus B. Are you, you here? There? Here? The group of smartly dressed young dogs dropped throwing terror rolls at each other and started throwing rolls at the stage. They yapped and barked intelligibly. Yes, said Max. Well, this is all your fault. You realise that? And finally, said Max, quietening the audience down, putting on his clown face. Finally, I believe we have with us tonight. A party of believers, very devout believers, from the Church of the Second Coming, the great prophet Zivaron. Oh, there's twenty of them sitting right on the edge of the floor, aesthetically dressed, simply sipping mineral water and overseas, staying apart from the festivities. He blinked reverently at the spotlight was turned on them. 
There you are, said Max, sitting there patiently, he said. You come and come again, and you kept you waiting a long time, so let's hope he's... Hurrying, fellas, because he's, he's only got eight minutes left, the body said we're in, fellas. So rigid, refusing to be buffeted by the waves of untreadable laughter, we swept over them. He was back for strange audience. No, but serious though, folks. Seriously though, no offence, men. But no, but I know, I know we should make fun of deep, real, heavenly beliefs. So I think we can please the great prophet Silveron. The audience clapped respectfully. Wherever he's gone to. We kissed a stony face party, turned the central stage, he grabbed the tall stool, and suddenly, it's a marvellous though, he rattled on. To see many of you here tonight. No, is it, it though? Yes, absolutely marvellous. Because I know what, that too many of you have come here time and time again, which I think is really wonderful to come, watch this final act of unco- everything, and return home to the same Ionia's. Raise families, strive in you, weirder societies, fight terrible wars for what you know to be right. It really gives one hope for the future of all mankind, so of course, made the bristling turmoil above around them. Don't we know? We haven't got one. I've turned forward. He wasn't, hadn't quite got this place worked out in his mind. Look, surely, he said, if the universe is about to end, don't we go with it? Thor gave him a free parental pangalactic gurgle blast of look, and other words rather unsteady one. No, he said, look, he said, as soon as you come into the distrive, you're held in this sort of amazing force field temporal whelp, I think. Oh, said Alfie, turned on his attention back. The bell of soup he managed to get from the waiter, placed his steak. Look, he said, said Ford. I'll show you. He grabbed a napkin off the table and fumbled helplessly with it. Look, he said again. Imagine this napkin is right in the temporal universe. Right? This boon is temperature, mode and matter curve. Took him a whole while to say this last part, and Arthur tried, hated to interrupt him. That's the spoon I'm eating with, he said. All right, then, said Vold. Imagine this spoon. We found a small wooden spoon. A tray of relishes. This boon, but they found it rather tricky to pick up. No, no better still than this fuck. So, hey, why is you, would you let go, would you let go, would you let go of my thoughts that was Ifford? All right, said Ford, all right, all right. Why don't we say, why don't we say that we can wine glass the temporal universe? What? The one that you just knocked on the floor? Did I do what? That? Yes. All right, said Ford, forget them, what I mean. I mean, look at, do you know, do you know how the universe actually began to kick off? Probably not, said Arthur, who wished never barked an eve of this. All right, said Ford, imagine this. Right, you've got this bath, right, a large round bath. It's a bit of ebony. Where from, said Arthur? Harrods are destroyed by Vogons. Doesn't matter. You keep, so keep saying, listen, all right, you've got this bath, say, imagine that you've got this bath, it's ebony and it's coronal. Coronal? coronal? Said Arthur, what salt? said Arthur. This colonel is somewhat, what is it? You see, you fill it with white, fine white sand, all right, or sugar. Fine white sand and of sugar, anything. Doesn't matter, sugar's fine. Then you fill the pool, you fill the plug out. Are you listening? I'm listening. 
When you pull the plug out, and it just twirls away, twirls away. You see out of the plug hole. I see. You don't see. You don't see at all. Haven't got the clever bit yet. You want to hear the clever bit? Tell me the clever bit. I'll tell you the clever bit. Thought we'll found for a moment. Oh, my God. You pull out the plug out, and it just twirls out away. Twirls away, you see, out of the plug hole, I see. You don't see. You don't see it at all. I haven't got the clever bit yet. You want to hear the clever bit? Tell me the clever bit. I'll tell you the clever bit. Fool, fool for a moment. Fiend, to remember but what the clever bit was. The clever bit, said Arthur. You feel me happening. Clever, said Arthur. You get a movie camera and you feel me happening. Clever. That's not the clever bit. This is the clever bit. I remember that. This is the clever bit. Clever bit is that you thread the film and project backward, backward. Yes, threading it backward is definitely the clever bit. So when you go sit, Watch it, everything just appears to spiral outward. A plug on, fill the glass, see? That's how the universe began, is it? Ralpha? No, said Ford. But it's marvellous way to relax. You've reached his wine glass. Where's my wine glass, said Eve, said. On the floor. Oh, Timmy went back to his chair to look for it. Ford collided with a small green waiter who was approaching the table, carrying a portable telephone. Ford excused himself to a waiter, explaining what he'd been. That he was because he was extremely drunk. When he said that was quite all right, he perfectly understood. Ford thanked the waiter for his kind indulgence, attempted to tug his forelock. Miss was first by six inches and slid under the table. Mrs. Everford, with the books, acquired the waiter. Oh, yes, it's you, Ford, glancing up his fur steak. Here, there's a phone call for you. Hi, what? A phone call, sir. For me? Here? Hey, who knows who I am? Well, his hat and mind raced. The other dwindled lovely over the food it had was still stripping in. Excuse me, if I carry on, would you? Said the eating head and carried on. And now so many people after him, he could have lost count. He should have made such a capricious entrance. Hell, why not, though? He thought, how do you know you're going having fun and no one watching you to have it? Maybe someone's tipped of the galactic police citronine, everyone saw you come in. You mean they want to arrest me over the phone? said Vivford. Could be. I'm pretty dangerous, Jude, when I'm cornered. Yes, the voice from under the table. You got a piece of fast people get get uh, get hit by shrapnel. Hey, what's that what's this what is this? Judgment Day, snap, Steveford? Do get to see that as do you do get to see that well? Oh, did we get to see that as well? said Arthur nervously. I'm in so hurry, muttered Ziford. Okay, so why who's the cat on the phone? He laughed. Get fooled. Hey, up there, kid. He said to him, I may need you. I'm not, said the waiter, personally acquainted with a metal gentleman in question. Sir metal, sir? Yes, sir. Did you say metal? Yes, sir. I said to you not personally acquainted with a metal gentleman in question. Okay, carry on. But I am informed that he was waiting your turn for a considerable number of millennia. Seems you left him here somewhat perpetually. Left here, said the foot. Well, you've been strange. We've only just arrived here. Indeed, sir, persisted the waiter doggedly. Before you arrived, sir, here, sir, I said you left here. So if I tried this one brain, then the other. You see, he said, that before we arrived here, we left here. This could... This is going to be a long night, thought the waiter. Precisely so, he said. 
Put your analysis on danger. Put your analysis on, on danger money, baby. Vise for what? No, wait a minute, said Ford. Who's heard you from the table label again? What was that? Where is that? He's here. Does that, does that, does that, is that absolute, is that, sir? It's Frogstar will be. But we just left here, protested Zophod. We left here and came to the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yes, sir, said the waiter, feeling that he was now on the home stretch of the running wheel. One was as constructed on the ruins of the other. Oh, said Alpha brightly. You mean you travelled in time but not in space? Listen, you semi-volved cinnamon, said Zophod. Go climb a tree, will you? Alpha bristled. Go bang your heads together for wise, he advised Zephyrod. No, no, the waiter said to Zephyrod. Your monkey's got it right, sir. Arthur stuttered, in fury, and said nothing of opposite, or indeed coherent. You jumped forward, I believe, five hundred years and seventy-six thousand years. Or staying in exactly the same place, explained the waiter. He smiled, had a wonderful feeling, that a funny one through. He had seen to be insufferable odds. That's it, says Zephyrpod. I got it. I told the computer to send us to the nearest place to eat. Exactly what it did. Give or take 576 million years or whatever. We never moved. Neat. They all agreed that it was very neat. But who, said Zephyrpod, is a cat on the phone? Whatever happened to Marvin? Said Trillian. Zephyrpod clapped his hands to his head. The paranoid android. I left him moping about on the Foxtel World B. Where is this? Well, uh, 565, 76 million years ago, I suppose, says Zephyrpod. Hey, how many of Rappelrod plate, Captain? The little waiter's eyebrows wandered about his forehead in confusion. I beg your pardon, sir, he said. A phone waiter said to Zephyrpod, grabbing it off him. She, you guys are so hit with wonder you bums don't fall off. Indeed, sir. Hey, Marvin, is that you? Said Zephyrpod on the phone, into the phone. How are you doing, kid? The long pause before a low, thin, low voice came into, on the line. I think you ought to know I'm feeling very depressed, it said. Marvin cupped his hand over the phone. Hey, Marvin, he said. Hey, Marvin. He said, went into the phone again. I'm having a great time, forward wine, a little personal abuse, and the universe going form. Where can we find you? Again, the pause. Why don't you have to, you don't have to pretend to be interested in me, you know, said Marvin at last. They're perfectly well, I'm the only menial robot. Okay, okay, says Zephyrpod. But where are you? Reverse primary thrust, Marvin. That's what they used to say to me. Open airlock number three, Marvin. Marvin, can you pick up this that piece of... Paper. Can I pick up that piece of paper? Here I am, the brain the size of plate. They asked me to... Yeah, yeah, simplified Zephyrpod. Hardly at all. I'm quite used to being eliminated, droned Marvin. Can I go? I even go and stick my head in the bucket of water, like you, like if you like. Would you like me to go and stick my head in the bucket of water? I've got one ready. Wait a minute. Hey, uh, uh hey, Marvin, interrupted his overboard. But too late. Sad little chunks and glunks came up up the line. What's he saying? Asked Trillian. Nothing, said overboard. Just found to wish it was his head. I, was his head at us? There, said Marvin, coming back down the line, bobbing a bit. I hope you've not, not satisfied. Shane!
paper? I can pick up a piece of paper. Mm, here I am, sympathize upon it. You asked me to. Hey, yeah, yeah, sympathize upon it. it all. But I'm quite used to being not not used to being humiliated. Jonah Marvin, I can go and stick my head in a bucket of water if you like. Would you like me to go and stick my head in a bucket of water? I got one ready. Wait a minute. Uh, hey, Marvin, interrupted Silverford. But it's too late. It's too late. Sad little chunks of gurgled came out the line. What's he saying? cried Australian. Nothing, said Silverford. He just phoned to wash his head at us. There, said Marvin, coming back on the line and bobbing a bit. I hope you'll give that gave satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, said Silverford. Now, will you please tell us where you are? I'm in the parking lot, said, said Marvin. Parking lot, said Silverford. What are you doing there? Parking cars. What else does does one do in a parking lot? Okay, hang on there. We'll be right down. In one moment, Superford leaned into his feet, threw down the phone and wrote the hot back, back to peruse on the bill. Come on, guys. He said, Marvin's in the parking lot. Let's go and get him down. What's he doing in the parking lot? Asked Arthur. Parking lots what? Cars. What else? Dun dum. But there's... What about the end of the universe? We missed a big moment. I see it's rubbish, said Uford. Nothing but a jib jab. A what? Opposite of Big Bang. Come on, let's get zappy. Field of diners paid any attention as they weaved their way through the restaurant to the exit. Their eyes were riveted on the horror of the skies. An interesting effect to watch for, Mark Bax was telling him. In the upper left quadrant of the sky, if you look very carefully, you can see the star system, Hasharethel, boiling away in the ultraviolet. Anyone there for Hasharethel? Well, there are two slightly hesitant cheers from somewhere at the back. Well, said Max, beaming cheerfully at them, it's too late to worry about whether you left the gas on now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.